1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Like if I'm wiping their nose, fine. But if they bring it to me, ugh, yeah, I will scream. That's
0: disgusting. I can watch like a dead body be like, you know. I know. Like, ugh, like, I'm, that, That's so
1: gross. Ooh, that dead body has a booger. Ooh.
2: <laughs> I'm Alex Higley. And I'm
1: Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a, a rider, writer. Writer, bud. <sighs> Welcome to I'm a Writer, but with us tonight is uh, Amber Sparks. And, you know, I just said tonight, but when you're listening, it could be any time of the day. Amber Sparks is the author of I Do Not Forgive You, Revenges and Other Stories, The Unfinished World and Other Short Stories, May We Shed These Human Bodies, and is the co-author of The Desert Places. She lives in Washington, D.C. with two beasts and two humans, and she lives online at AmberNoelSparks.com or at AmberNoel with two L's and an E on Twitter. Welcome, Amber. Amber welcome we want we want you to read but before you read i just wanted to read um a tweet that you put out tonight that i really related to and i think everyone will and it was no one should have to make dinner on a pandemic sunday Mm. and i truly feel that in my heart and soul (laughs) especially after (laughs) uh my daughter upended her plate on the table and refused to eat anything um and i just want to thank for that for that uh that truth in these tough times <laughs> what are you what are you gonna read to us tonight
0: um, um I'm gonna read let's see oh I think I'll read rabbit by rabbit because it's actually one that I don't usually read so Yay. Um, but it's vaguely related to you know the topic at hand of being many things yes. besides just a writer rabbit by rabbit <clears throat> The girl is drinking red wine in the nursery. She is pregnant. She is languid. She is huge and hazy and full of vague hopes for the future. She is populating a dollhouse for her child, figure by figure, family member by family member. The house is a painstaking replica of her own built by her husband before he marched off to battle. The dolls are her dreams, each a tableau of future children and future wishes, none of which will exactly come true. The father of this baby has just been shot for desertion and will not return from this war or any other. She will go into labor with her hands round the letter, ink smeared in soft smudges over her swollen palms. Many years later, she will ask her grandchildren, was that one war or two ago? a husband or several she will be possessed by then of the magic of forgetting rabbit by rabbit the past will go into the hat in will go husbands children lovers friends streetcars swimming low heeled shoes high neck dresses strawberry pies fortune tellers at the fair hay bales and harpsichords and half-baked schemes she dreamt up when she was a little girl In will go lamps and doorstops and baking bread and chimneys and pipe smoke and paintings and symphonies and stars. In will go all the words for these things, or most of them anyway. And by the time she meets her first great-granddaughter, she will not even remember the word for love. But she will still have the dollhouse worn through and tumbled, dolls with no faces and walls dark with handprints. She will spend the most of her time with it, moving from room to room as if she were a doll, forehead pressed against the clouded glass windows. She will wait and dream instructions from the dolls inside. She will wonder at their threadbare clothes and understand the memory of love collects here somehow. Rabbit by rabbit into the hat, pictures, people, machines, All will accelerate and eventually pursue one another with frantic, herky-jerky upstarts flickering in and out of range, start in sepia tones, progress to perfect technicolor saturation. The memory, next, of traumas, self and the world's everything that burns, her two sons to fever, her daughter to a strange cult and a series of feverish marriages and too many children she didn't quite love, maps to gone so no path can be left to trace through this wreckage a young good life spent tan spent cycling spent golfing tennis lessons at Biarritz with the nice young man with this pro the pet spiders a neck long and swan-like her admirers astonished A beige blur behind the sudden brilliance of her boyfriend, he the soldier in scarlet, she the grieving widow, beautiful and child-laden, the Madonna in black brocade. Then childbirth, always a swollen breast, always a husband somewhere off in the middle distance with a paper and a pipe, a lake house, a black lace dress, then he her favorite husband. He'll teach her to shoot, to jump nude into a fountain and swim in jazz, to fly from a window, fly into a needle, squander, squander, squander joy until you've used up all your teeth and laughter, all flown, all gone, all stuffed like colorful crepe streamers into the magic hat. After, the world gone gray at first, then faded to silver, still mechanical in its new and dreamless age her first glimpse of the great structures she'll shimmy up in denim overalls and stand at the vanishing point she'll pity the world below pontilistic vague and undefined into the hat the flying machines to be dissolved the long nights alone in dark clubs and alone in dark bars and alone in dark bedrooms trying desperately to find light to be dissolved the visits from grandchildren, hesitant and shy, the smell of young skin, too much memory in that downy scent, but always enough love, always hands in the dollhouse, always more figures needed. Finally, tragedy, finally, weeping, Finally, the memory of man's hubris, the iceberg, the bomb, the burn always lurking to fill the trenches, the beaches, the ovens, the jungles, the deserts, the hubris that will eat up trees and children and even the dead with relish, the way man will peel history like an onion or sometimes just drill a hole right through. The men, the last to go, the men. The collective men and she will finally do the leaving for once she's held to them for too long, given them too much place of importance in her whole long life history, no more. She will press her old frame to the rotting roof of the dollhouse finally emptied hollow and ready to enter. Her own old face will be nearly gone, a smear of red for lips, two smears of bleary blue for eyes. Her clothes will be simple and coarse, her head a wooden O. She'll push and push through until those long-ago rooms are hers again, until she finds a new set of stages for a new set of lives. She'll push until she finds herself in a child's palm, a new small vessel for dreaming someone else's dreams. But now, in this moment, she puts down her wine. She lowers her huge, tired frame to the floor, and she smiles, puts her hand on her belly, and imagines the strange small vessel inside. She tells herself, remember this. Remember it all.
1: Damn. You are such a good reader.
0: Well, you want to know a funny thing about that, is a Huge portion of how I learned to read was by listening to you. Lindsay. Me? I'm, not, I'm kidding. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, yes. What? I, you know, I have to do this like really this reader voice. You know, the boring. You know, oh yes. like a oh, yes. reader voice. And I remember I heard like you and Amelia Gray read um, at AWP or something, and um, and was oh my god. You can, you can do that. You can just like like it was this piece I, I think about um the apocalypse or something and you just like <laughs> yeah like the whole thing and I was like, "Oh my god, you can do that. That's amazing. I want
1: to do that." Uh, yes, so. I remember. I remember doing that. Yep. <laughs> my story after, which I think is in uh Don't kiss me. Dang, that, yeah. thank you. Thank you for saying <laughs> that.
0: No, thank you. Yeah, I was I I was I seriously like you know, there, there's so many really great readers and I'm always, and you, you guys are, you and Amelia are totally the ones that I always um, mention off the top of my head to like people who, you know, complain about boring reading. Like you don't have to be boring.
1: No, no. Remember Amelia? <laughs> um, I think she performed it. I don't remember if it was that one, but she, she, before Threats was a novel, she used to read the story that Threats is based on and she would yes. just throw the pieces of paper, the Threats at people. Yes. It was so good. It was really good. So
2: I'm really glad you said that, Amber, because I brought up on one of these ones recently. I said to Lindsay, I was like, you don't understand. I have to read with Lindsay Hunter every week. So it's (laughs)
1: like,
2: I have to bring it. So Jesus.
1: I miss reading so much. I really like, I miss it a lot. Yes,
0: I do too. My gosh. I love it.
1: Yes. Yes. Did You came from a performer, like theater background, didn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I was a theater major, so.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, we're putting that to good use.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? It's it really does. It's not. You, uh, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's like so scary getting up there and reading my stuff," and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I don't have to memorize it. That's great."
1: <laughs> yeah, I like to be like, "Yeah, I'm so scared too," and then I just go up there, <laughs> like work all my shit out. <laughs> Like no, I'm exactly. an extrovert. Okay. <laughs> I I'm
0: not, but I but I uh that was one of the things I liked about theater. It was because I could I could be extroverted like up on the stage. It was like a weird, you know, Jekyll and Hyde type thing. So. Your safe space. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know what I wanted to ask you is like before you had kids and you were thinking, before you had your daughter and you were thinking about having a child and now versus now, like when you were thinking, okay, I'm a writer and I also have, you know, I'm a full-time worker, but I want to have a child. Um, what's my, you know, what were you envisioning your writing life to be versus what it is now? Like, is it wildly different than you were thinking? Like yeah. what, what did you have to do to make it? you know, into what it is.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I don't think I was ever like, I ever like properly appreciated <laughs> how much time a child would take up in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, I, and I, and it's not like I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be totally fine. I'll, you know, have tons of time, but you know, I sort of, um, I was kind of a person who, uh, had had like largely given up my social life to write. Mm -hmm. Um, the most part, you know, I like 30. And so, um, you know, I thought, Oh, okay, I'll be fine. I'll still have a lot of time. And then, you know, (laughs) when Missy was born, I was like, I think, I think the other thing that was really surprising to me too, wasn't just time. Cause you know, you, you can sort of make time. You can, you can figure that out. Um, I mean, sort of kind of, but, um, you know my brain I don't know if this happened to you but my brain like died after Izzy was born for like for like maybe two years I think like Mm -hmm. just literally was dead I was like I could like read and stuff and like what you know but like I couldn't write I was just like totally intellectually brain dead
1: absolutely and I remember fighting against that so hard like I would force myself in these like endless like boring laborious writing sessions and I could never like get to the end of a story, and I like, but I just refused to accept that. Like, I refused to give myself the time <laughs> to be brain dead, yeah. you know. And yeah. like you, like I was still reading, you know, and um, but it really, it. I think it was about the same time time frame. Was like, okay, like after two years had passed, it was like I had enough of myself to give, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, I just I you know. Yeah.
0: It's so, like, it's so, you know, cause I was, I was, you know, breastfeeding for like two years mm-hmm. and then I was, or something almost like that. I think actually it was over two years. And then, um, and you know, obviously you're like, you have no sleep for like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting any actual sleep or quality sleep. And, you know, I don't know if in, you have all these like hormones still coursing through you. And I have no idea if that, like, if that's what it is or not, but I feel like I've heard that from a lot of people that your brain is just like, sort of you know yeah i mean you're, you're useless
1: your brain chemistry totally changes and i think also like and this happened to me every time with every child i underestimated like how much sleep would matter like i just thought like mm-hmm. i know i'm going to be tired but i'm always tired la 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 <laughs> you know but then it's like <laughs> oh no i didn't remember how tired i was going to be
0: <laughs> right <laughs> right it's, yeah it it makes a huge difference
1: i i noticed you said something on twitter the other day where you were saying, you know, like before the pandemic, like a bad writing day was just like a bad writing day, but now it just feels like the stakes are so high. I know that's not exactly what you said, but
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, um, and, and I think it was funny because it was sort of like, I, I think some people that didn't have kids were like, what do you, I don't know what you're talking about, but, right. um, but, but because, you know, we've got our kids with us 24 seven now, and there's like, there's like no time anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the little time that I have, like, I'm, you know, really lucky. We may, I try to write at night when I can, but like, for the most part, my big chunks of writing are weekly. Um, my husband and I actually split up the weekend. So mm-hmm. he takes, Sunday he gets Sunday I get Saturdays <laughs> and we can like you know make what we will of those days and the other mm-hmm. one of us like takes um Izzy duty and um so you know on Saturdays like god this last Saturday of yesterday <laughs> <was so> <laughs> I had like, you know, seven hours to write or whatever it was. And, you know, that's my one writing time per week, pretty much where I can be really productive. And it just sucked. And I was so mad, Mm. like, God damn it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: You know, it's just, it feels like this, that's exactly what you said. The stakes are so much higher now. Whereas before I'd be like, okay, well, you know, I'll just write on my lunch break. Mm -hmm. Cause I used to write all the time, like on my commute or at lunch, um, like a lot of people. And now it's like, I'm making lunch. (laughs) I can't can't actually write or I don't have a commute anymore. So the the one real time that I have is sort of that, that Sunday, which can be great or terrible.
2: When you're having a, a rough writing day, Amber, are you the kind of person that's just sitting there grinding it out? Or do you, do you kind of eject and say, all right, it's not happening today? How do you, how do you approach days like that?
0: You know, in the past, I would have been a person who just injected um, before I had a kid, but now I, I just grind it out because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, this is, this is my only time. So I got to do it. Um, I'm lucky that I've, you know, got a couple of projects going on that I'm working on. So like, if the novel, because the main one that I'm working on is this godforsaken novel. And so if the novel sucks, which it usually does, then (laughs) I can like switch over to the like nonfiction book and work on that. Or I can work on an essay or, you know, there's like other stuff that I can work on. So like, I usually try to at least have some backup plans that like,
1: (laughs) is that how you, is that how you usually work Is you have a bunch of different like balls in the air? Or is this, is this sort of newer?
0: No, I always do. Yeah. And like, it's like how I just, it's like my personality. It's just how I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, like, I get really bored when I'm just working on one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. How long have you been working on the novel? <laughs> I ask you that because you called it Godforsaken. And I figured that meant <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's been a long time. Like maybe two years, I yeah. think. About two, two and a half years. Um, So it's, been a while I'm, I'm really hoping to finish it like this uh summer that's, okay. the Yay. that's
1: just, just right just around see. the corner yeah it's
2: coming up i was gonna say that's good, <laughs>
0: good. we will, will see i've already written two other novels that ended up like going in the trash can and then a third mm. that turned into a novella so we'll see
1: mm. i think that can surprise some newer writers or You know, like, I feel like people don't understand, like, how many novels get written that never (laughs) see the light of day, you know, that just kind of like, okay, well, I got that out of my system.
0: (laughs) That's what kills me. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, for – since, since you know, I write short stories primarily, it's like, you know, if I work on a short story and it sucks, it's like, okay, well, I spent, you know, weeks or months, not like two and a half years Mm -hmm. working on that short story. So it's just – it feels like, I think that's another part of the reason I always like have to be working on something else when I'm working on a novel. Cause otherwise it's just, you know, this, again, the stakes are too high. Stakes are too it's high. Like, yep. If this sucks, then I will have just, you know, destroyed two and a half years of my creative life.
1: Mm. So, scary. yeah, I
2: never, I never think when I'm writing a short story, like why am I writing this? Like, why does this exist? But with a novel, I feel like everyone who's ever written even part of one has definitely had those moments where it's like, why the fuck does this exist? Like, what am I doing? I have yeah, no it, yeah, answer.
1: It won't let you just walk away from it. Right. Like right. it's, you can't just be like, well, that's done. You just have to be like, Oh, I have to just. Oh,
0: <laughs> yes, God.
1: Pain in exactly. The and
0: I have this, I'm at the point now where I really like am invested in my characters and I really care about them, which. Oh, that's
1: like, such a good sign. Really, yeah
0: a good sign but it also sucks because yeah. I'm like well now I'm truly in this weirdo fantasy world like where I'm really committed to this thing
1: weirdo fantasy world like- oh I can't wait to read it
0: <laughs> the really funny part about it is you know it's it's actually a pretty claustrophobic novel mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways and which did not it and I started writing it you know way before the pandemic so it wasn't about, it wasn't because of that at all, but the pandemic has actually suited it fairly well because uh, it really like lends itself to a feeling of being stuck at home all the time.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. So everything <laughs> happens like for a reason.
0: Yeah. You know that, yeah. That,
1: that tweet that went around that was like, what did you do to cause the pandemic? That's what you did. You started <laughs> writing that
0: Oh no, I wrote a novel about an agoraphobic.
1: <laughs> yes, there you go. Oh, this is God. your fault. This is all your fault. <laughs> this this novel better be published. (laughs) (laughs) What made you want to write a novel? I know that's like something I'm thinking about my, my personal experience when I like, I wrote stories primarily. And then, um, you know, there was pressure to write a novel and I wasn't sure I even wanted to do that. You know, like what, what about the form was attractive to you as a, you know, a, a short story writer?
0: Um, mostly just that I'm br- a really stubborn asshole. Mm. And, um, <laughs> I just really was like, <laughs> I, was like I just want to like, see if I can do this, yeah. um, yep. and, and prove that I can. Cause you know, I don't know it, it was, yeah. And, and then I, you know, couldn't, and then I was like, well, that's not acceptable. So I'm just going to have to keep trying. Um, so yeah, just really like sheer cussedness, which is, um, really not a good reason to like do anything creatively. Honestly, there,
1: what better reason is there than that? Than to yeah. just be like, "I am gonna <laughs> do this if it's the last thing I do."
0: That's so true. I, what, I could. What? Should, what other? What other things could I say? Money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're all so rich and famous. Writing novel novel <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I don't know. Why did you guys write novels? Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alex, i mean honestly
2: i think for uh yeah i'll you know i'll field that one um i think probably for the same reason amber honestly just like i, I always sure i thought of myself as a short story writer and that was yeah. what i always was re- i feel like i was reading probably like way 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 more uh short story collections and it was what i was thinking yeah. about but yeah i mean eventually you reach a point and everyone in, around you that has any any idea of what you're doing is kind of asking the question. I feel like, okay, yeah. What? So when, when are you going to write a novel or, Mm -hmm. or even just, you know, I don't know if this is your experience, but certainly with friends of mine that are not writers, but are that like, you know, are supportive and, you know, maybe want to read something here and there that you write their investment in short stories. is like, just basically non-existent. I feel like it's, it's like, you know, it's like taking someone who's never heard jazz to a jazz club and sending them like tying them to a chair or something it's like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't gonna work so I yes. don't know I just feel like yeah. ultimately you reached a point like you said it's like all right let's let's do this come on
1: <laughs> yeah and I feel like that that was definitely when I wrote my first novel it was exactly that it was like let's see if we can do this you know let's let's do yeah. this lol but now <laughs> like I can't get away from it you know like I, I, right. I have a collection um, that I wrote Um, that I've been writing for the past few years and it's, it's finished, but like, I'm still, I'm still writing novels, you know? And it's like, I never thought that would be, that would be the case. You're
2: locked into novels right now, for sure. I feel like that when we talk, like you're thinking novels right now, you're, that's where your that's where your head's been at. I feel
1: like. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm writing one right now, so that's, and I, I don't, I mean, I did, I guess I would like the last one I wrote, I was writing stories at the same time. So I guess. It was a little similar to how you work, Amber, because it felt like um, it was like the form was the form of a short story was like necessary to tinker with while I was working on this overall overarching structure of the novel that I was writing. And it also kept things fresh for me. But I haven't really been doing that, I think, because I don't have time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, that's true. This is actually that's this is the first time that I have not been. I mean that's how i've written like my last couple of short story collections is while i was writing a novel so oh, wow. this is the first time that i haven't been doing that um because i just yeah i don't have the time to be doing both so see how that goes
1: one day <laughs> allegedly this fall if the if kids can go back to school all three of my mm. kids will be in school for some portion of the day and i cannot fathom that
0: mm.
1: amazing Amazing. Like I've been a mom for eight years and I've never had had that. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe I'm Gosh. about to graduate into that life. Man.
0: Will Judith be in, in pre-K or? She'll yeah. I mean, she'll go to
1: like half-day pre-K. So it won't uh, be major, but it'll be like three hours to myself.
0: Uh, yeah, work. that's major. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally major. major.
1: I think I'm just gonna lay spread eagle naked on my bed for that entire three hours and do nothing productive <laughs> with my time. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely fantasize about having the house to myself, like a a lot of the time, <laughs> mm. <laughs> a lot.
2: Or just like the bathroom to yourself.
0: Oh, <laughs> It'd be that's great. not allowed that's great- in my house. Yeah, no, so our our house either. I should really put a lock on it one of these days. But
1: um, we finally have a lock on our basement bathroom door. But the, all that does is enrage them.
0: They just, oh like, yeah, throw themselves against the it. door.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. What are you doing? When are you gonna be done? Oh my god! <laughs> like I'm writing. <laughs> I was gonna say, do your do
0: your kids like respect your writing time at all, or is that just like ha ha ha?
1: I I really like I talk to them very frankly about it, and they know like when I'm sitting down to write, and like I I can remember um like last year when I was or two years ago when I was writing the the previous novel and I would be putting my, my little ones down for nap. And I would tell towns, my middle child, like, I got to go. Cause I have to go, right. I have to go to work. I have some work to do and I have to do this. And I would just be very upfront and frank with him about it because I want them, I want them to know that about me. Like I yeah, want them to yeah. know. So, um, I, I, I would say that I'm usually writing when they're asleep <laughs> or, you know like yeah. otherwise occupied so they don't really have to respect it because they don't even see it happening but I am very like open with them about everything so I mean Parker's disappointed yeah. that I'm not rich famous and that I haven't won any awards
0: yeah yeah there's he's that. like my id <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amber do you get asked all the time during the pandemic to write something about living in DC during this period
0: no, actually, I, I don't think I'm
2: surprised. surprised. I am so shocked. That was like the thing I was thinking about most coming into talking to you. I was like, I wonder if she just gets asked all the time to write about what it's like to be in D.C. during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, no, no, nobody's really asked me that. I mean, people, you know, people ask me how what it's like or whatever. Right. To write it, so. Um,
1: yeah, Consider this no. us asking you yeah, to write Yeah, this that. is exactly like,
2: what the hell? I feel like that is what I want to read from you. I was like, I would love to just know... I don't know. I just feel like everything I'm seeing on the news to be there in it in a different way. I honestly cannot even imagine.
0: I don't know. I, the weird thing is I don't feel like it's any different than anybody else's really? okay. experience or at least for me. Like um you know because um we're pretty like isolated we don't we both work from home thank god we're lucky to be able to do that so like is he you know is he goes to school at home it's so it's really we 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 hardly even like go out (laughs) we hardly go outside you know no sure totally yeah yeah so it's not we're not really like i don't know it feels weird i mean i i I talked to a lot of i I imagine this is the same thing actually for chicago but i talked to a lot of friends um you know who are in new york and it's kind of the same thing you don't feel like you even live in this like big city anymore you just you're just like in your little you know your bubble your little neighborhood um and that's I don't really go anywhere else so yeah the only thing that was weird was um and scary obviously was was the whole (laughs) the whole insurrection part of things right um that was creepy and not even because like I personally was scared because you know I didn't it's I live in a fourth floor of an apartment building I wasn't like worried they were coming in here but um but it just felt creepy because like I normally in non-pandemic times I work about um I work like literally right next to the White House um my building is like right there so um so it was just like uh, there's something like really weird and creepy about um I was talking to this talking to some other people about this but like you know when you live in DC there's a sort of weird security trade-off that you have where you like basically encounter police and security like all the time mm. um <laughs> or, like you you accidentally like you know ride your bike down a specific alley or something and all of a sudden like 10 like armed cops show up oh my uh, gosh and they're like you can't go this way and you're like oh god I'm sorry okay um and, and, but you sort of like put up with all the security theater because you're like, well, it's the nation's capital. They're protecting us. Uh, so that was just really scary and disorienting because it was like, well, what the hell did we do all that for for all these years when yeah. like they could, could just, just
1: like, walk in the capital, bust right in.
0: Yeah. So, but, but I feel, you know, already uh, having Biden there makes me feel safer because <laughs> i know that there's not like a literal enemy of our you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: our country oh like my God. You know, back the white house so it's kind of it's kind of, that's kind of exciting like someday when i go back to work i will actually like be able to look at the white house and not just feel loathing sure. and shame i would take izzy to work with me sometimes um uh you know like on days where I had to pick her up early from school or whatever and uh and I'd bring her to um work and we'd walk past the White House and she'd be like don't look don't look up I was just like why not? Oh. Like, because Donald Trump might be looking out of a window at us.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> so i would be like okay we don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: <laughs> oh. I was gonna ask you what's the nonfiction book that you're working on?
0: um it's a proposal about uh um of for a book nonfiction book about um uh like pop culture around ghosts oh
2: around
0: wow. ghosts. oh um that's like so perfect for you. yeah so tv movies uh like really like modern pop culture because i like it was actually really weird i was like looking i was trying to research an essay like a like a year ago or so. And I started looking and I could not find anything that was really about, um, the way that we talk about and think about and use ghosts as like cultural currency, Mm. um, in, in like sort of our modern culture. And so, um, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just write that book. So I'm like working on the proposal right now, which is, um, uh, Interesting process that I hate very much. (laughs) Well, I was
2: going to say, how does it feel writing a proposal when you have, you know, you're a fiction writer? I mean, you usually are. You're used to writing the whole thing and turning it in. Is it is in some ways more fun though? Like to just be to have this and think like, okay, potentially I could have a deal and not even have the thing written yet. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's sort of both. It's it's like that is sort of an exciting possibility. Um, but it's also really hard because, you know, when you're obviously when you're a fiction writer, you write the book and people either like want to buy the book or they don't want to buy the book. Right. And that's, you know, really it. Um, and at least on the strength of the writing. And I'm not super great. I, I do a fair amount of freelance, but I'm really, really bad at like pitches hmm. um, and like actually selling the idea. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been really hard for me because I'm like, well, people should just like buy it if they want to buy it it. like you know I shouldn't have to talk about it don't you um, feel like that's true
1: for like your own book publicity too like I feel like anytime I've had a book come out I've been like well what do you want me to do like I if they want (laughs) if they like me then they'll read it and I feel like (laughs) you know like we have to sort of be these like weird hype people for our own work you know and it's it's so gross and weird but also we should be better at it
0: yeah yes yes it's it's also like it's also kind of scary like you know I keep I keep uh, telling oh it's okay if you take your time after the because <laughs> I'm like like once it's one of these things where once you get the proposal and you know ideally sell it or whatever then it's um uh, sold, and then you actually have to write the book, mm-hmm. um, which is scary because when you're writing, you know, fiction, you just, you're writing it on your own timeline and you finish it when you finish it. And and that's when you submit it. So um, a deadline is for like a giant piece of work is kind of um, terrifying,
1: but it's so yeah. cinematic. I feel like any, like any, you know, depiction <laughs> of a writer <laughs> in any sort of TV or film is like, oh, I've got, I owe this to my editor, oh you know? Like oh, I got a meeting. I know, right? <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> I will feel very cinematic. I'm sure oh. I'm stressed.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that's it. I think we're done torturing you. Oh, all right. Well, that was not torture at all. That was super fun, actually. Uh, yay! Good. If people want to find more about you, should they go to your website, your Twitter? any and all yeah either one
0: um the website uh which is like what is it amber mm-hmm. and then yeah my twitter really.
1: at amber noel <laughs> always some yes. good stuff
0: definitely uh, increasingly desperate
1: <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> oh definitely yes were you the amber were you the one that tweeted i'm tired of making magic for my child every single day in this pandemic yes. somebody else do it well, for me yeah. there may
0: have been many people that tweeted that but yes I definitely tweeted that I related um, to that so hard although my actual favorite thing that that w- was something you tweeted which I had to like um share with my husband which was the the freaking snack tweet <laughs> 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 I think I just fell down the stairs and my kids asked me where a snack was or whatever oh, like it, 100% think- like the other day I was I was um uh I like I forget what I was even doing. Was I lighting a candle or something? I don't even remember. But I like hurt myself really bad, oh, and no. like literally, Izzy came up to me and was like, "I'm hungry." <laughs> <laughs> Do you see an and she was like, "Yeah, I'm hungry. Can I have a popsicle?" They're oh, <laughs> just so they're they're um, so so vicious. I funny.
1: always feel so silly so expressing any amount of like pain or sorrow in front of them because I'll think like I'll get some sort of. <laughs> empathy or sympathy from them but they just kind of look at me like like they're watching like a baboon poop at the zoo or something like they're just like <laughs> <Yeah>. all right <laughs> I guess <laughs> you know and I'm like oh I really stubbed my toe <laughs> like, okay.
0: it's like this like they're mildly embarrassed for you yeah. and also just like don't care <laughs> yeah
1: I'm like I should just keep it to myself <laughs> Exactly. okay anyway sorry We'll let you go. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you, Amber. Have a good one. You too. Bye. bye. Amber Sparks, man. Amber Sparks, man. She's going to take over the world. Surprised
2: that ghost book doesn't exist.
1: I know. She's right. You would think.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: There are still gaps. There are still gaps. Let me tell you.
2: There are still gaps.
1: There are. I get emails from time to time from women whose IUDs failed. And they're oh, like God. I I was fr- you know frantically googling like trying to find other, you know, talk- people talking about this and I couldn't find anything and I found your th- cuz I have an essay about that in the cut. Right. Mm-hmm. And um I'm like, dang, man, there's still not people talking about this. Well, Maybe even Alyssa was tweeting
2: about the other day, wasn't she?
1: Mhm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. For like- Alyssa
2: Oh my god, um, yeah, i I have nothing to add to that at all. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm doing. I'm literally staring at the microphone, it's like one inch from my <sighs> face.
1: You're like women's issues,
2: women, <laughs> man.
1: Back away slowly,
2: yeah. I mean,
1: you know, you have a southern accent in my, in my little um cosplay of you, <laughs> sure,
2: just a little diorama in your head, Alex, with the southern accent.
1: You're running around a room obviously
2: accent. circling southern accent <laughs> not very quick though
1: um are you still reading not writing
2: i'm still reading not writing are you still um,
1: reading
2: finished how to be safe yes i recommend right. how to be safe it's excellent character i usually i'm not usually a person that comes away from books thinking about characters usually um if i really love a book it's like okay wow you know amazing amazing sentences or some something else it's usually not a character but with this book i really loved this character of anna crawford It's just i mean her name stuck in my head which is rarely the case i I remember nothing so how to be safe definitely definitely a great one
1: i need to put that on my library holds yes now i'm reading
2: tampa by, oh, ho, 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 ho. which is like a hard it was like a hard uh 180 so mm-hmm. has that, that has been interesting i'm really enjoying it and just like kind of like oh shit
1: by Alyssa nutting yep yeah i think i read that book in like 36 hours i just like inhaled it
2: everyone i've talked to that has also read it has said almost the same thing that they read it in a day or, you know, oh, my wife read that in a day. Um, yeah. I feel
1: like she must have written it in a day because it is so breathless. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I know that's not true. <laughs> but it is, yeah, that, that book is something. Well, a friend of mine
2: was, I was talking to him about it and he said that the thing he liked about it was that it's like one thought unfolding throughout the book. Mm. And there's something about that that is so, I mean, separate from subject matter, it's like, there's something so absorbing about the book because it really does feel like the single thought unfolding and you're just in it the whole time.
1: Wow. I love that. Yeah. Now I need to read it again. Oh my God. All her stuff is like that. It's so like sharp and, and just like so smart. I've never read her before.
2: This is the first thing I've read.
1: Oh, wow. She knows the word for everything.
2: It's just like, yes, it's- very exacting prose for sure. Um, are you are you still reading the the book you mentioned on the last one?
1: I can't remember what I was reading last time.
2: It was the about the the women on the street.
1: Oh no, I finished that. Uh, uh, it's called "This Is All I Got" by Lauren Sandler. We got to have her on because she's awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, I finished that. It was incredible, and also harrowing. I think I said, use that word last time, but yeah, I finished that. And then I read this book about a serial killer. (laughs) It was a true crime called American predator about Israel keys. I had never heard of him before.
2: I don't know. Israel keys.
1: Yeah. Um, He killed himself in jail. So I think like his notoriety was muted, but yeah, the true psychopath gave me nightmares. Um, And now I'm reading, I've never read any Sue Miller. So I'm reading, her first book, the good mother. And I'm really Really enjoying that so far. She's this woman going through a divorce. She has a three-year-old, but it's, it's an interesting structure. And I think I beat myself up for this a lot. And that like, there's not a lot of like forward movement. There's like a little nibble of like something happening. And then like, there's a long, like, and this is something from my past and this is how I spent my summers as a child. And this is Mm -hmm. what I was thinking. And I, I tend to, I do that as well a lot when I'm writing and I, I get so sick of myself doing that, but it's interesting to, to read this book that is like very much just that, Mm -hmm. like, you'll get a little bit like, and then I got the divorce papers and, and one summer, grandpa, blah, blah, blah. It's like, right? um, I think that's a workshop
2: anxiety though, for sure. I mean, could be, I remember, I mean, I'm not sure for you, but I totally remember getting notes in workshop things like yep haven't earned that flashback yet keep going or you know push it push it further need more forward momentum before it happens or oh God. you never should put a flashback here that kind of that kind of feedback that kind of understanding yeah, rules of, that you
1: never even would have yeah, considered exactly like, Where did that and come you know, from
2: it's like if it's working it's working so whatever. yeah and i
1: think also like we we talked about this a little bit with Matt Salis, I think maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Ruman, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. where like you're, you're, you learn how to read the book that you're reading by reading the book, right? Like, um, right. write, write the, the book, read, you learn read how to the read the book you're reading as you read it, right? Oh, like for sure. The book Absolutely. makes it, gives you the rules, you know, Absolutely. and so it's, it's, it's not going to be,
2: I think that was with Ruman because, yeah, like that one, I feel like, especially with his book, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think as long as you trust where, you know, that the author is, is like taking you somewhere, you know, then I think, which I mean, that's a learned skill in itself. Like what, like an author's confidence or something. Know how, I don't know. Yeah. I I, I actually know. stopped reading a book. I don't know if I should, cause I was, I was really not enjoying it at all. And it has great reviews on Goodreads. It has like, it's in the four point something stars and on Amazon. Four stars. <laughs> and it was not good at all. It was not good at oh. all.
2: Man, say it and then just bleep it.
1: No, I can't. As a, as a writer, I can't, but I was glad that I stopped reading it and moved on. I learned I... that from Zach Dodson, by the way. Oh, shout out, Zach. To uh, just abandon books if you're not enjoying them and move on.
2: I always do that i i like a page i'll 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 punt easy I always think of it as punting I will punt absolutely,
1: yeah, it's so freeing,
2: yeah, I feel like though usually when I'm reading something it's I'm not like just randomly picking stuff up that I'm like,, well, maybe I'll like it, and it's like <laughs> you know like. <laughs> three or four people have told me oh you'll you'll dig this or someone i respect was
1: like oh you know this is great whatever well i saw someone talking about it on twitter and i think it was someone that i don't, and i don't remember who it was so i can't i can't call them out but mm. i remember seeing it on twitter and i was like oh that book does look interesting <laughs> like okay and um the the premise sounds interesting but i i also saw um well never mind i was going to say something specific and i will not but yeah, I usually, I usually tr- like if I see, and I, I guess I didn't do it in this case. I usually try to wait until like, I've seen someone recommend it like two or three times. And then I know like, okay, I probably will like this book right. or that it was meant to be, but this book I only had heard about from this one random tweet, but that's also true mm-hmm. about this is all I got, which I loved. Right. So sometimes, you know, you win some, you lose some.
2: Absolutely. The book, I think that I, I didn't know anything about it. And I just saw a tweet about it that I loved. Was I think of this one because I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the writer until I read the book. Was did you ever read Down City
1: by Leah Carroll? Yeah. Hell yeah. I love that book. Speaking and of just, true crime,
2: I went in exactly. I went in completely blind and I'm like, I'm a reader of hers for life. Like, I loved that book so, so much. So good.
1: Oh my God. Also, harrowing. Oh my God. Big time. I wonder what she's working on right now.
2: I don't know. Give run. us
1: more, Leah. Do you want to read anything?
2: I was going to read the opening. There's, I don't know, speaking of books being recommended to you, there's like that great thing that happens sometimes when a friend will send you a book and be like, oh, you're going to love this. And it's a book you already love. And it's like it becomes uh-huh. like further confirmation of the friendship. Yeah. So my buddy Dan sent me this probable uh, book. I Serve the King of England. Have you read this? No. So it's uh, he's a Czech writer. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I say Balmal Prabal. His last name is H-R-A-B-A-L. I'm probably absolutely butchering that. You but tried. Um, I totally tried. <laughs> anyway, this was, this was a writer. Um, we went to Prague a couple of years ago. I had never been out of the country. First place I went was Prague.
1: That's awesome. And
2: uh, I, asked, I asked Dybek, actually, I was like, what should I read? And he... He's like, you have to read I Serve the King of England. So I read it. And this is one of those books that um, you read it and you are reminded that you can do anything. This is, it's just like a completely freeing book to read because it goes absolutely all over the place and you're just, you're just with it the whole time. So I was just going to read maybe the first paragraph or two. Um, I love it. Cool. So, this is uh, the opening of I Serve the King of England uh, that my buddy Dan sent me. And this first chapter is called A Glass of Grenadine. When I started to work at the Golden Prague Hotel, the boss took hold of my left ear, pulled me up, and said, You're a busboy here. So remember, you don't see anything, you don't hear anything. Repeat what I just said. So, I said, I wouldn't see anything and I wouldn't hear anything. Then the boss pulled me up by my right ear and said, But remember, too, that you've got to see everything and hear everything. Repeat it after me. I was taken aback, but I promised I would see everything and hear everything. That's how I began. Every morning at six, when the hotel keeper walked in, we were lined up like an army on parade with the maitre d', the waiters, and me, a tiny busboy along one side of the carpet and along the other side, the cooks, the chambermaids, the laundress, and the scullery maid, the hotel keeper walked up and down to see that our dickies were clean and our collars and jackets spotless, that no buttons were missing and that our shoes were polished. He'd lean over and sniff to make sure our feet were washed. And then he'd say, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, ladies. And after that, we weren't allowed to talk to anyone.
1: Wow. It's great, and right? It's called I Serve the King of England.
2: I served the King of England. Yeah. I served
1: the King of England. Okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. Man, I hope to travel one day. Right. I have all these grand plans for post-pandemic, but it's like that. Do you really? Well, I I do If as if I don't have three children, Mm, right? (laughs) you know, like I'm not going to be traveling anytime soon, right?
2: (laughs) I think of, no, you're not. (laughs) I just think of like time off of work is my like, that's what I really like get crazy about is like, okay, maybe I'll take like four days off here. And like six days off there. And like, that's kind of where my head's at. I Mm -hmm. travel seems, I don't know. I just, (laughs) yeah, I don't know.
1: I keep thinking like, I I want nothing more than to have like a giant dance party with other writers. Like we had at like AWP when it was in DC. Oh man, I should have talked to Amber about this. There was um, a huge dance party one night and it was like the best like dance party I had ever been to. And I just want to repeat that. Like I want a really good DJ and a really big dance floor. And then just like everyone I love <laughs> just like go. throwing down <laughs> just once before I die.
2: Did you get any work done this week?
1: I did. I got some work done. Um I, yeah, I got, I got like two or three days work. Cool. Um, but not as much as I did the, pre- the previous week, but you know, enough.
2: But you were setting a high bar that previous week.
1: It's true. I was, I was on top of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Did
2: you have something you wanted to read?
1: Yeah. I was just going to read a little bit from, um, this is from the perspective of, the son who actually does the killing. This is from my novel again, because I'm selfish and I always read from my work and you're, you're a giver and you read from other people's work.
2: No, I'm just literally not doing anything. So. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, This is a, he's in jail and he's in like group therapy and like, there's this perky therapist who wants him to talk about, she keeps trying to get him to talk about, you know the incident and and his mother and and things and he you know he's sick of sick of that anyway so this is in the middle of him talking I wanted girls, but I did not want girls like my mother because she made me feel a sort of torture that I know you want me to explain to you, but that I am unable to explain. Okay, fine. I will fucking try. She made me feel like I should duck or put my hands up or back away. And then she made me feel guilty for feeling like that because as my mother, she could see it. She could see that I just wanted out. And I looked into Cece's window because I wanted to know if I could have a damn thought about a girl without worrying the air was going out of me. I wanted to know, was I straight, gay or nothing at all? And it turns out I am nothing at all. Cece never was naked, and she never touched or measured herself, and all I could see was her reading or sleeping or putting stuff away, and she seemed the kind of normal that made my whole life, that made my whole world feel like it was going to crash down on my head, and that's what I thought of that morning, how that quiet time in her room was gone for her, gone forever, and that was because of me. He'd stitched the whole thing together from what the other men had said in group, all of them obsessed with their own loneliness, how they were misunderstood or unique because of it, how they did their desperate things because they had no other choice. Riley loved it. It made her feel like she was doing something with her life, making a difference. And Douglas knew now, after so long in prison, that that was all anyone wanted, That that he should have found a way to say the things his mother wanted to hear. I love you. You're pretty. You matter. But he was just a child. I was just a child, he said. Even now, he couldn't say them to her because she didn't deserve to hear them. He wanted her to walk away from him and for the floor to open up and swallow her as if she was never there to begin with. He wanted to orphan himself, erase himself, forget himself. I do not want to remember these things, he said. They wouldn't change a thing being remembered. They won't change a thing. He'd written a letter to his father asking why he'd had children with Jackie when it was clear that was a dead end. Really, what he was asking was, did you love me? Do you? And his father never wrote back. He had other kids now. Some people get do-overs. He was standing over Riley now, and she was doing her best to to hold her folders in place and keep his eye, to show him that she wasn't scared of him, didn't believe deep down that he was a misogynistic, a word she'd taught them, killer, who she'd pushed too far. Some don't. The other men started to shift and grumble, aware that time was up and they were supposed to move on to the next thing or hear it from the guards. That morning, everyone wanted to know if Jackie told him what to do and when and with what. He kept rubbing his eyes. They felt wrong, like there was a bright light shining just beyond a fog, and he was trying to see through all of that. Or maybe that's just how he remembered it now. There were buckets with garden shears and gardening gloves caked in mud, tools hanging on the wall, a rusted rake propped in the corner. His legs ached from crouching so long. He smelled coffee brewing, and then the smell died away. He'd given up in the middle of plenty of chores, said, fuck this, and wandered off. The lawn half moan, the dishes still hot and soapy, his room cluttered and smelling of socks but he stayed in that garage. He saw it through. If there is one thing I cannot stand, he said, it is my mother's tears. Did she tell him what to do? He tried to remember. He saw her and he saw her mouth moving, saw her weepy face. It had started when he was a boy, so little. He didn't even have the words to ask her if she was sad and why. He just knew he'd put a stop to it. He'd make her feel better. My little protector, she'd say, holding him close. Her softness, her warmth, all for him. Did she tell him what to do? Probably not. She didn't have to. Again, he was helpless, his hands upturned, Riley backing away from him with her stupid folders against her chest. He didn't want anything from her. Couldn't she see that? He didn't want anything from anyone. She just said, Douglas, he said now. Who did? Riley asked. She was still doing her best to seem like she was in control, but Douglas knew the truth. Your mom or, or her? But he covered his ears. He closed his eyes. He waited it out. Blood gets in your mouth during something like that. All at once he realized he'd been trying to see it all from her perspective, all this time just trying to see himself. It had a tang and he swallowed it down. That's it.
2: Jeez. Or Douglas. It's been it's been so fun because I think I've said this before, but every time it's like <laughs> it's ratcheted up. It's so it's like high pitch, fever pitch, and yet I don't have the connective tissue between all these pieces that you're reading yet. So it's really fun to just kind of like catch the names that are repeating and try and try and and remember what the hell I'm
1: talking about. (laughs) Well, kind of,
2: but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't know how much connective tissues that connective tissue there's going to be. Like I, I was telling my agent and I don't know if I already said this, but like the structure is going to be like a crazy quilt. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like to me. I don't know if I already said that, but where you're just like showing the whole with all these different pieces did I already say this
2: I don't think so no okay you, you you may have said something like that but you didn't use the
1: quilt yeah I guess I'm thinking about it because my mother-in-law just made everyone quilts oh cool and they're not crazy quilts but um but that's the structure like you know like you get the whole quilt but but you have to like you know you also have to look at each little piece right so we'll see awesome it's interesting because I have to kind of teach myself how to revise this kind of structure. I don't really know how to revise it. It's very different. So that's fun.
2: Is what you're reading like, uh, are they mostly what you're thinking of as chapters Mm -hmm. or or sections or is it not, is that what you have been reading? Has that just been pieces of whatever?
1: Yeah. I've just been reading pieces of sections, but generally each section is like, you know, a glimpse from some perspective, some point Mm -hmm. of view. Um and I don't know like I have a hard time with like thinking of chapters mm-hmm. even though they're the same thing as sections.
2: <laughs> well,
1: it can be whatever because, you want them to be, yeah. Yeah, I think I have a hard time being like chapter 1, chapter 2 like that sort of chronology feels not right for this. Right. But um <clears throat> yeah, I use tildes. You know, you know that punk- that punctuation mark? Oh, tilde? Tilda?
2: I thought you were, I I literally thought you were using somebody's name and I was like, great, I can't hear, uh, I can't wait to hear what Tilda does. Let's, uh, (laughs) what's the Tilda approach?
1: Yeah, that's how the sections are broken up with Tilda's. Oh, Oh, I see, cool. But yeah, so keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Have a good week.
2: I don't know why I'm laughing so much tonight, but, uh, uh, all right. Talk to you next week. Tilda. Bye.
1: Okay. Bye Tilda. Bye Tilda. <laughs> I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Higley and me, Lindsay Hunter in our respective basements because there's a pandemic out there. Please wear a mask. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Editing by Lindsay Hunter music by Max loop.